welcome everyone and all of you that are guests today on this Thanksgiving weekend. We are so happy to have you in service with us today. Thank you for being here. Those of you that are joining in online, we welcome you as a part of the service today as well. I do want to just quickly uh, add in a thanks to everyone that contributed in some form or fashion to our Thanksgiving dinner on Thursday. I think it may have been one of our best turnouts ever. Um, so if you brought food, if you served, whatever you did, however you contributed to help make that possible. There were several guests here, people that don't come to church here, and that's part of the purpose of it. So thank you very much for everyone that helped. Amen. Go to 1 John chapter 4. I want to read two verses from this passage. And uh, I, I want to say this before I read. We, we have a tendency, those of us that have been around for a while, we have a tendency to decide things that are for us and not for us. And, and, and in this context this morning, I don't mean it's because it's something we don't like or whatever. It's actually, in the context of this morning, I mean that in the sense if we're not careful, we write things off. Oh, I got that. I already know that. When in fact... We don't necessarily have it the way we need to. And I really feel like the message this morning is, is it applies to everyone. And, and if you're a guest, definitely. But I, I'm, I'm also saying that those of you that are a part of this church, don't, when you hear what I read, don't, 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 don't decide you're just going into, you know, I'll be white noise for the rest of the service. Because I believe I believe there's somebody here today, maybe more than one, that you need to be reminded and maybe get really a new or fresh revelation of this. So 1 John 4, I want to read from verse 8, and then we'll go to verse 16. He that loveth not knoweth not God is this this last part of this verse for God what notice it doesn't say for God loves it says God is love and then verse 16 says we have known and believed the love that God hath to us God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. I want to talk to you, preach to you, whatever this morning for a little bit on that, those three words. God is love. God is Father, thank you so much for your presence that we have felt here today. Thank you for your spirit that has responded to our worship. Thank you for how you have already touched hearts and lives in this place today. I thank you for it, Father. We don't ever want to take that for granted. 
We want to truly be thankful for the work and the move of your Spirit, Lord. I pray now, God, that you would speak to hearts and lives in this place today. God, you know every individual in this sanctuary this morning exactly where they are in life, what they're going through, what they've been through, what they will go through in the future. I pray that you would minister today. I pray, God, that there would be an anointing to hear and receive today. Lord, I acknowledge that this is a very simple thought today, and therefore it's easy for us to just write it off. But, God, I believe that there's some people you want to talk to and minister to in this place today. So I pray that you would be able to do that as you desire. I trust you this morning. I depend on you today, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Adam Clark's commentary says, It has been well observed that although God is holy, just, righteous, etc., He is never called holiness, justice, etc. In the abstract, as He is here called love. This seems to be the essence of the divine nature and all other attributes to be only modifications of this. God is love. I don't really know that I can properly communicate it, explain it this morning to the degree maybe it would need to be explained, not for lack of understanding, but for the significance of it. But there is a big difference between loving, between saying God loves us, and He does, and saying that God is love. I I love, I love you, I love my kids, I love my wife, I I love them very dearly, I I love them a little bit more than I love you, sorry, but I do. But, But I'm sure they can acknowledge, just because I love them, I don't always act in love. And so while you and I may love, we are not love. While you and I may love various people in our lives very deeply, you and I are not love. We've got some other things that are mixed in. We've we've got some other things that come out from time to time. And while God does love us, if you and I could truly get a hold of the fact that God is love. Because again, you and I can love, but we also can do other things because of our humanity, but our, because of our weakness. But God's nature, God's essence is love. If, if we could somehow get a hold of that, there are so many things in our lives that would change, not necessarily the circumstances, but our attitude, our feelings about them would change if we truly got a hold of the fact that God is love. I, 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 I've tried to 
prep you for it, but I think there's probably a few of you that have already turned me out this morning because I don't, I'm not coming to you with some new deep revelation. And there's a really good chance if you have turned me out this morning, you're probably one of the very ones that God is trying to talk to today. Because part of the reason we tune something out like this, oh, we say it's because we've already heard it. We say it's because, oh, I know this. But really, sometimes the reason we do that is because we're struggling with really believing it. And so it's an easy thing to say, I already know this, so I don't really need this. When in fact, you really don't have it the way you need it. God is love. God is For God so loved, He gave. But God is. If God is love, there's no room for anything else in God. And if God is love, He can't stop loving you because He would cease to be God. Wow, what would happen if you and I would decide, hey, if I God didn't love me anymore, He can't be God. I believe He's God, so therefore... And, and yes, there's a big difference between approval and love. I love my kids, but there have been plenty of times I haven't approved of what they've done, of how they've acted. And God loving us is not synonymous with God approving of everything about us. However, God can love us and still disapprove of some things in our lives. But God is love. Because at the end of the day, as a human being, even though there have been some times I've disapproved of what my kids have done, it has not diminished my love for them one single bit. The Scripture says, if you being evil, if you and I as human beings know how to give good gifts, how much more does our Heavenly Father? If you and I in our humanity can be disappointed by someone, but our love not be diminished for them, how much more can the God who gave his life for you who shed his blood for you not necessarily agree with what you do but love you I just quoted it but I'll read it James 1.17 because there's some other stuff in this verse that's very actually I didn't just quote this sorry James 1.17 every good gift And every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lies. Now, now all of that is is important. Every good gift is from above. Every every good, every perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. All of that is significant. We we need to know that. We need to believe that. But really, it's it's the remainder of this verse that we need to get today. With whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God is love. And every good and every perfect gift comes from God. But God has no ability to change. Now for you and I, that's a very bad thing to say. 
If you and I have no ability to change, we're in trouble because there's not one of us in this place today that doesn't have some areas that we need to change in. But God can't change. God doesn't need to change because from the very beginning, God was complete. God was perfect. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. There is no God 2.0. There are no God updates. There are no new God versions because from the very beginning God was everything he could ever be God could do everything he would ever be able to do that's what he was from the beginning and not only was he that from the beginning but he has not changed one single bit you and I change the older we get the less we can do or the more we pay for what we do. We may still do the same things we used to do, but now we pay for them in a much greater way. God does not change. God does not weaken. God's power does not diminish. God's strength does not diminish. There is no variableness. Neither shadow of turning. The Amplified Bible says that verse this way, every good gift and every perfect, free, large, full gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of all that gives light, in the shining of whom there can be no variation, rising or setting, or shadow cast by His turning as in an eclipse. I, I, I wanna, I'm going to read a little bit from Adam Clark's commentary because I, I don't know, that, that phrase, no variableness, neither shadow of turning, not that it's not understandable, but to try to give you the, a, a, a better uh, uh, grasp or, or, or a little more perspective on what that means, listen, listen to what the commentary says. The sun, the fountain of light to the whole of our system, may be obscured by clouds. Or the different bodies which, which revolve round him, and particularly the earth, may from time to time suffer a diminution of his light by the intervention of other bodies eclipsing his splendor, and his apparent tropical variation, shadow of turning. When, for instance, in our winter he is declined to the southern tropic, the tropic of Capricorn, so that our days are greatly shortened and we suffer in consequence a great diminution both of light and heat, but there is nothing of this kind with God. He is never affected by the changes and chances to which mortal things are exposed. Oh, hallelujah. He is never affected. By the changes and chances to which mortal things are exposed. He occupies no one place in the universe. He fills the heavens and the earth. Is everywhere present, sees all, pervades all, and shines upon all. Dispenses his blessings equally to the universe. Hates nothing that he has made, is loving to every man, and his tender mercies are over all his works. Therefore he is not affected with evil, nor does he tempt or influence to sin any man. The sun, the source of light, 
rises and sets with a continual variety as to the times of both and the length of the time in which in the course of 365 days, 5 hours, 48 minutes, and 48 seconds, it has its revolution through the ecliptic, or rather the earth has its revolution round the sun, and by which its light and heat are to the inhabitants of the earth, either constantly increasing or decreasing, but God. The creator and preserver of all things is eternally the same, dispensing his good and perfect gifts, his earthly and heavenly blessings to all his creatures, ever unclouded in himself and ever kneeling evil and willing good. Men may hide themselves from his light by the works of darkness as owls and bats hide themselves in dens and caves of the earth during the prevalency of the solar light, but his good will to his creatures is permanent. He wills not the death of a sinner, but rather that he may come unto him and live. And no man walks in wretchedness or misery, but he who will not come unto God that he may have life." I don't know what it is, but the past couple of years, actually it seems like it's been in the neighborhood we've lived in now since 2018. I used to not be all that bothered or whatever by the shortened days of winter, but the last several years. We've got a very wooded neighborhood and drive through there and in the evening time when it's getting dark and it just, you get in some areas where it's even more dense and I'm driving home, driving into the neighborhood at 5, 5.30, and it's already as dark as it normally is in the summertime at 9 o'clock at night, and there's just something kind of discouraging, depressing about that. If it was summertime, we'd have three or four more hours of daylight to still do stuff, and there is this darkness because we understand that's the way things operate naturally. But the light... Of the love of God, if I could say it that way, does not change with the seasons. In fact, unlike the sun, and again we say it poetically, even though it's not scientifically accurate, but I'll just say it poetically, the sun does not, the sun of God's love, God's love does not go down, does not rise and fall like the sun rises and falls. As I just read to you, If God's love is not active in your life, it's not because God isn't activating His love. It's because you've allowed something to separate you from the love of God. Paul says, somebody help me, I'm having a... Where's it at? What can separate us? Romans what? Romans 8, thank you. Romans 8, the last couple of verses of the chapter say this. Romans 8, verse number 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I want you to keep that first word in mind. Not what, but who. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, do the things that we go through, do the things that we face in life separate us? The question is, who shall separate us? And the answer is what? Or the next question is the what's, excuse me. 
As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that, what? Through him that loved us. In all of those things we go through, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded, here are the what's, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God who is, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing there is nothing there is no thing that can separate us from the love of God but again the question Paul asked was who Because while there is no thing that can separate us from the love of God sickness disease financial difficulties turmoil in your home, whatever else it may be on the list. While none of those things can separate you from the love of God, there is a who that can separate you from the love of God. And the who that can separate you from the love of God is not your mama, not your daddy, not your sisters, not your brothers, not your aunts, not your uncles. The only who that can separate you from the love of God is you. There is a who, but it's you. It's not the devil. The devil can't separate you from the love of God. The only who and the only what that can separate you from the love of God is you. So if you are here today and you are not feeling the love of God, there's only one thing to blame and that's you. But it's not because you're not good enough for Him to love you. It's not because He stopped loving you. It's because you've allowed yourself to be hidden from. Because nothing, nothing can separate, nothing can separate us from the love of God. How is it that nothing can separate us from the love of God? Because God is love and God fills all space. So how do you get separated from what is everywhere? There is no variableness. There is no shadow of turning. There is not even the slightest indication of God changing. There is absolutely no indication of God changing. He never has. He never will. Because if He does, He's no longer God. There is no variableness. There is no shadow. There is no indication of Him turning. And there will never be an indication of Him turning because He remains the same. Here's here's part of the problem we have. Too many times we, and I don't care if you're brand new here today or you've been here for 50 years, we have trouble judging God's love by our circumstances. It's interesting when things are going pretty well in your life, you never one time question God's love. 
when everything is going basically the way, which if you, uh, if you ever have a point in your life where everything is going the way you want it to go, do not tell me because I might commit murder. There may be times when it's a high percentage of things going the way I want them, but I've never had one second in my life where everything was going the way I wanted it. But when everything is pretty good, when there's no sickness, when, you know, finances are okay, cars running well, your spouse is behaving. Notice I didn't say... One, I made that broad. Kids haven't lost their mind for 30 seconds. We don't, we don't, oh God, do you love me? No. We don't question. But what is one of our first questions when something goes wrong? When something bad happens? What do we want to know? God, do you really love me? Because if you loved me, why would you do this or allow this? question is, is He love or not? Not does He love, is He love? But our our problem is we have no issue with receiving what we think is good from Him. But we don't want to receive from Him what we think is bad. But here's the problem. There are things that you and I consider to be good things if God would give them that in fact are actually bad things. And there are some things we look at as being bad or negative that in fact they are the greatest blessings God has ever given. You think... The job of your dreams, making the amount of money you want to make, would be a good thing. But if that were to drive you away or separate you from your relationship with God and the body of Christ, then what you would view to be a good thing becomes a negative thing. You think losing your job is a bad thing, but if losing your job drives you more to Jesus and more dependency on Him, then what may seem like a negative thing from a natural perspective is actually a great blessing. There are people in our lives that come and go. Sometimes when they come, we think they're a great blessing, but they pull us away from our relationship with God. They become a hindrance to our walk with God. That's not a blessing. I don't care how pretty she is or how handsome he is. If they pull you away from your relationship with God, it's not a good thing. And if somebody walks out on you and it's a painful thing, but it leads you to a deeper relationship and a greater dependency on God, it may seem like a bad thing naturally, but it becomes one of the greatest gifts you could ever receive. I know we all know this, even though sometimes you can struggle with it. A good parent is not a parent who only says yes. Isn't it amazing how quickly we as parents reserve the right to say no 
Because we understand there are some things our kids ask for they think would be a good thing, but we understand. We've got some, exp- we've got some wisdom. And we know that what you want would actually be to your detriment. So even though you're going to get upset with me, I'm going to tell you no. I, I, I love the girls. They pretty much have outgrown it now because they're basically adults, young adults, but adults. You know, we, we, I know I'm not, we're not the only parent. Dad, yeah. I know you're going to say no, but can I have $1,000? No. Oh, man. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did you not say in advance? You know. I'm going to say no. So then from my perspective, there's two options. If you know I'm going to say no, don't ask is one. Number two is if you know I'm going to say no and you're going to ask and I say no, then at least don't get mad because you said you already knew I would say no. I guess you ask anyways to try to make your parents feel like they're not good parents. God, I know you're going to say no, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because when you don't do what I say, then I can start accusing you as not being good, because if you were good, you would do everything I ask you to do. This is not what I was planning after turkey. Watch what the psalmist says. 84 and 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. Now watch the last part. What's the rest of this verse? No good thing no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly so if God is withholding something from me I have asked for because in my opinion it would be good for me if God has chosen not to give me what he has the ability to give me then I must trust that it must not be good for me because if he loves me he will not give me what is bad for me even if I think it is good for me he will withhold no good thing. Anybody today, not a trick question, sincere question, anybody here today believe that God is a healer? That's almost every hand in the building. All of you that believe God is a healer, put your hand back up for a second if you would please. You believe, you believe, there's no doubt in your mind God's a healer. Now, keep them up for a second. I know you don't have a lot of stamina after Thanksgiving, but just give me a second. How many of you that have your hands up that you believe God is a healer? You have, I'm trying to make sure I ask this the right way here. How many of you with your hands up, you have 
no problems in your life right, no sickness that you need healing from. Keep your hand up. You have no physical issues. Keep your hand up. 90%, 80 I'll say 80 to be safe. 80% of the hands that were up have gone down. You can all put your hands down. We all believe He's a healer. I believe, I know. I don't just believe because the, I know, I know because God has healed me before. I've got my own personal testimonies of what God has healed me for. I'm in physical therapy right now for my shoulder. And it feels like it's getting worse. And I know that God is a healer. I absolutely know God is a healer. So what do I do based... And I pray, God, heal my shoulder. I need you to heal my shoulder, God, so I can play golf. Actually, I really, I just need you to heal my shoulder so I can sleep. That's what I really need it for. What do you do when you know, you have no doubt... That God is a healer, or God can do what is needed, and He is not doing it. You've got to decide if God is withholding. And perhaps what I view to be good would actually be to my detriment if God did it. And what is the foundation of being able to think and feel and believe that? God is love. If God is love, then whatever God does is motivated by love. There's not an adult in this room today that you haven't done some things in your life motivated by something different than love. Vengeance, anger, hatred. You probably regret what you did motivated by those things. But God is love. Therefore, God cannot do anything motivated by something other than love. I, I know this is elementary this morning. I know it is. I'm... What do you do when you pray? I, I, I prayed prayers. I, I, I prayed prayers for people that were precious people of God, that to the best of my ability were people that loved God, were faithful, committed. I prayed prayers of healing or provision or whatever for them, and it never happened. And I've watched people that were rank sinners. That God just does it for what? Wait a minute, God. These are the people that deserve it. They don't deserve it. Why are you doing it for them who don't deserve it? Because in the condition they're in, the best way I can communicate I love them is to do something for them. In the condition you're in, and the fact you're supposed to trust me by now, 
I should be able to do whatever I feel is best for you. If God can heal, and you have faith, and again, faith, how much faith you have is not the problem. Let me tell you something. If anybody's ever told you with regard to something you were needing or believing for, that you, need, you didn't have enough faith, hear me today, they are not telling you the truth. More faith is never the problem. If more faith was the problem, why would Jesus have said, if you've got faith the size of a mustard seed? That's not much faith. But if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. Your faith does not have to be equal to the size of your problem. You don't have to have a mountain of faith to move a mountain of problems. You can move a mountain of problems with a mustard seed of faith. Our problem is not faith. Our problem is a lack of honesty. Because we believe what God can do, but we don't necessarily believe He'll do it for me. Most of us have no problem believing God will answer somebody else's prayer. Most of us have no problem believing God loves somebody else. But when it comes to ourselves, that's a whole different thing. Because we know us. I know my, I know my, I know my issues. I know my struggle. I, and so when he doesn't do what we want, then what is our... I knew he didn't love me. Oh, he loves you. He loves you enough to do what is best for you. He loves you enough to decide you want this because you think it's good. I'm going to withhold it from you. Not as punishment. That's our, that's our other... Inter- well, surely if God's not, try, not doing what I'm asking, then He's what? He's punishing me. No, He's loving you. He's loving you. See, that's the problem too many people have in, in, with this thing, call it how, what, Christianity, whatever you want to call it. Giving your life to Jesus Christ is not so He can fix everything in this life. I got bad, and if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I'm just going to be really upfront with you. If you decide to do that, and that's the best decision you could ever make, but if you decide to do that, you're probably going to have some things in your life that are going to get worse. I'd make a great salesman, wouldn't I? But that's part of the reason why so many people are disillusioned with Christianity. Because when the pulpit says, sow your $100 seed offering or $1,000 seed offering and God will bless you a hundredfold and you're not getting any $100,000 checks in the mail, you get disillusioned because the reason you gave your offering was so you could get something out of it. This is not about your comfort in this life. Ultimately, God's main concern is your eternal life. 
And therefore, He may let you go through some things that are not very pleasurable in this life if they will help to produce eternal life. Paul says, we know that our light affliction is just for a moment. Light affliction. When Paul says something was light affliction, you got to understand, Paul went through some stuff. He was shipwrecked. He was thrown in prison. He was beaten. He, was, he went through all kinds of suffering. And Paul says, all of that is light because it is working something of eternal value in my life. Can you not trust God with some temporal things that are temporary if He will allow them in your life to produce what is eternal? God is love. I know y'all, y'all probably think as the pastor, I got this all together, I do it all right, I get it right all the time, but I got the same flesh you got. I've been way more focused this week on, I'm not really a big turkey person, other than Mission Barbecue smoked turkey. In fact, I, I used to never really like turkey until I tried it at Mission Barbecue. So all you, only reason I would eat it at Thanksgiving was that's just tradition. I would get me at least a piece of turkey because it was tradition. I really wasn't worried about turkey this week, but I was, you know, chicken and dressing and ham and desserts. Pie that just sits on the table on the counter, and you just walk by every 10, 15 minutes, take several bites. There's no point in putting it back in the refrigerator, just leave it out. I've been on my mind Christmas decorations. We decorate after Thanksgiving and, and, and Ohio State and Michigan football game, and a few other things. And the Cowboys who seem to be in a little bit of decline right now that trying not to get you know to I, I gotta tell you I didn't get up this morning with my chest pumped out I'm heading to church to preach in fact there was part of me was like Lord you know let me get sick real quick <laughs> I, I I haven't been out killing anybody, haven't stolen anything this week. Don't think I, to my knowledge, I haven't lied, haven't done anything, you know, any, done anything. But there are some things I haven't done this week. I, and I, I open Bible software that I use, and it's got a daily devotional that pops up on it. And this was the verse, Deuteronomy thirty-three twenty-seven. The eternal God is thy refuge. Now that's, that's powerful. But a refuge, in essence, is what you think of as what surrounds you. Walls, gates, whatever. But that next part. And underneath... Our everlasting arms. I've never connected these two before, but the scripture says a righteous man falls. It says seven times, but it doesn't mean that literally. 
just giving you an idea, you're going to fall. A righteous man falls, but if you read Deuteronomy 33 and 27, when a righteous man falls, what is there? What's there? What is there to catch you? Not the rocky path you're walking down. Not the challenges and the difficulties you're facing. But underneath are His everlasting arms. Who is the His there? God. And what is God? Do one of bishops A equals C and B equals C, then A equals B. If God is love, and underneath of me are His everlasting arms, every time I fall, it's kind of a whole different meaning of falling in love. Every time I fall, I am falling into His everlasting arms. Every time I fall. It amazes me, and I'm, I am guilty of this. I was very young when I received the Holy Ghost and was baptized. Seven years old. I didn't... My life wasn't like many of yours where you grew up in the world, unchurched, and as an adult you came in. It's a little bit different experience. I, I didn't, even at seven years old, I didn't think I had to spend a couple of days or weeks fasting and praying so that I could get God to give me His Spirit. Most of you... When you got the Holy Ghost as an adult, I've heard some of your stories. Some of you were some pretty bad people. Not cool bad. I mean, in the 80s for us, that's what, man, that's bad. That's a bad car right there. I, I mean bad. I mean really bad. The real definition of bad. You were bad. You did, you did some terrible things. Some of you are living some terrible lives. Making some terrible choices. Hurting people. Hurting yourself. And for many of you, I know it didn't happen this way for everybody, but I would say the majority. At some point you were sitting in a church service. Maybe in response to a message. Maybe it was a message about the love of God. <laughs> and the preacher told you what God would do, what God could do, and told you that if you wanted to receive what God had for you, you just needed to repent of your sins, ask God to forgive you, make up your mind, you want to make a change. You needed to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission, the forgiveness of your sins, and receive the 
infilling of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in other tongues and, and, and God would dwell inside of you. You got up out of your seat, came down to an altar, maybe you knelt, maybe you stood, doesn't really matter. You did those things and God filled you with His Spirit. You didn't deserve it. You weren't the least bit worthy of it. In fact, you were very unworthy and undeserving. And in that moment, you responded by faith to what was told, what you were told to do, and you received. I said it again. I, I I love you. I love this church. I love this congregation so much. I can't express how much. This this is my family. This this congregation is as much family as my natural family but but there are there are a few people that I have a little bit more of a connection to all of you young adult men I'd, I'd do a lot of things for you if I could but there's some things that I do for him above and beyond what I do for some of you others because that's my son if God, if God would give you His Spirit, the greatest gift you could ever have, if God would give that to you when you were a no-good sinner, hadn't been born again, how much more is He willing to do for you as a son I say that generically not gender wise as a daughter why is it am I the only one help me if I'm the only one I'll I'll put the mic down I'll pray and y'all can go get lunch why is it we struggle more with receiving God's love after we are born again we did receiving it before we were born again. Because while He loves everybody, I think God's kind of like us. There's something about your kids. Some of y'all need to put away the four-leaf clovers today. He loves me. Loves me not. Loves me. Loves me not. Here's how it goes. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. The boss just told me I was the best employee. Gave me a hundred percent raise. He loves me. The boss just gave me my pink slip. Said I got two weeks. He loves me. The doctor just said all the tests came back negative. The doctors just said, we're very sorry, but you've got a disease and we may not even be able to do anything to help you. He loves me. I prayed 25 hours today. He loves me. I didn't even pray for my food today. He loves me. I read the entire Bible today. He loves me. 
I read was the comics today. Am I saying it doesn't matter what we do? I'm not saying that. I am saying it doesn't matter what we do with regards to the level of His love. It does not fluctuate. Because if He is love, He cannot be anything less. He cannot be anything more. I I believe there's some people in this place this morning regular members I believe there's some people in this place that the Lord would like for you to leave here today with the confidence and certainty God is love and God loves I'm asking for He loves me and if God withholds the things I'm asking for He loves me if life is going well He loves me if life is going poorly He loves me God is God is do you understand you you see our, our, our our biggest issue is not really our circumstances. That's not really the problem. Really, our, 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 our challenge is our attitude. It's our perspective. There's a, there's a, I don't know, I don't mean, I, maybe I shouldn't say this, but it seems shady to me. I don't know, but there's a, there's a dealership just a couple of miles up the road here on Ritchie Highway. I just know, I know, if I could just have one of their cars, prestige, something or other they're called, if I could just have one of those, I would be the happiest man in the world. you know what I really know down deep inside because you know what's amazing I'm, I'm, I'm trying to close but what, what's amazing is a lot of times the people that have the best have the most are the most unhappiest and those that don't really have a whole lot Those that don't have the best, don't have the nicest, are as content as can be. The enemy wants us to live our lives thinking, if I could just get this, if I could just live there, if I could just drive that, if I could just wear this, if I could just make that amount of money, if I could, if I could, if I could. No. If you could just learn to live in His love. And, 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 and let me finish this point. The psalmist said in Psalm 73, again, I've said this many times, but I think Psalm 73 is a, is a psalm that every believer needs to be familiar with. 
not saying you need to be able to quote it by heart, but you need to be familiar with it because it's a, it's a psalm that every one of us live from time to time. And the psalmist says, I got to looking at the prosperity of the wicked. I got to looking at how good things were for everybody else. I got to looking at how good things were for the bad people. And he says, it was, it was almost too much for me. I almost stumbled and fell. He says, but then I got into the sanctuary. And, and what he's talking about there is, I got into the presence of God. And he says, when he got into the presence of God, it wasn't any of those circumstances that changed. One thing changed, and that was, he said, I understood their end. I understood that while things look great and are wonderful them right now, the ultimate outcome is not good. And while things may not be going the greatest for me right now, they may not be going the way I want, my outcome is going to be good because that's the guarantee I have from the Word of God. There's some people today, the devil's got you convinced the only way for you to be happy is for some circumstances in your life to change. Maybe it's a job situation. You need to find a spouse, whatever. <coughs> really what you need to do is just trust the love of God. He withholds no good thing from me. He only does what is best for me because He loves me. I want you to stand, please. I, I, I want to invite you. It doesn't matter what your status is. Again, whether you're a guest or you're a member here, it doesn't matter. If you're a guest, what I'm about to say is not, it's not intended to be an invitation for you to join this church. If you're not a member of this church, we would absolutely love to have you be a part of this church. But this is not about the joining of the church. In fact, would you close your eyes for just a moment? Again, really if for no other reason to try to make maybe help somebody feel a little bit more comfortable. We've sung about not being alone. We've sung about some wonderful things today. If God is love, then that means you're never alone. I believe there's some people in this place today. You just, you just need to receive. You just need to feel that love. Some of you think you're unlovable. There's no such thing an unlovable person for God I don't care how many human beings whether your parents or family or whoever else it may be has told you or acted in a way to tell you you were unlovable there's no such thing so as eyes are closed I just I want to invite you if you would just to come down to this altar you can stand you can kneel I don't really care how you want to do it that's Come down here. And I believe that the presence of God that has been in this place this morning 
is going to move through here once again. Touch your heart, your life. This is not about an emotion. I could be very honest with you. My flesh would love for there to be all kinds of emotion right now. I'd love for it to be an emotional thing. God created us to be emotional, but sometimes we substitute emotion for God's work or we miss some things because of emotion or lack of emotion. In a lot of ways, this is about a mind change. It's about a fixing of the way you think. I think there's a few more of you that need to come. Thank you for those that have come. More of you here. I, I know some of you have been around long enough. You don't want anybody to know that after you've been around here so long, you've still got some struggles truly believing and accepting the love of God. We want everybody to think we've got all that down. We go, of course, we know. I got it. I'm good. But unfortunately, it's not always the case. Come, just close your eyes. You can lift your hands if you want. You know, I don't really. Because I believe if you'll just stand there in a mindset to receive the love of God, it's going to sweep. Some of you are already feeling it. And it's not a bad, if you feel it great, if you don't, that, that doesn't change the fact that it's real. But some of you, in fact, I'm just going to say it, I believe there's some of you have been around here a long time that in the next few moments you're going to feel and experience the love of God in a deeper way than ever before. In the name of Jesus. Again, if everybody would just keep your eyes closed for just a moment. One more moment or two in case anybody else decides to come. standing here today we are in the presence of God if we're in the presence of God that means we are in God's love can I get some folks that would come and join with these folks that have come and let the Lord you right now to be an expression of His love, to be a conduit of His love. I'm just going to be honest with you. I hope and pray there's some people here that are guests today that, that you receive something right now. But if I could be just really transparent, my my burden this morning is really some of you that are here all the time. I want everybody to hear and receive what God is saying today, but I've got a burden for some of you that are here week after week, service after service. You're you're involved in ministry. You're involved in leadership. You're, You're solid. You're committed. You're dedicated. However, you struggle with faith and confidence and trust. I'll never be more loved. God is no matter what you have done or have not done God is love 
I know some of you don't have anybody praying for you right now. They may come, they may not come. It's not about anybody else, really. It's about you and Jesus. And Somebody prays for you, that's great. But if they don't, you can receive just you and Him. Father, I pray today, I know there's some people in this place who live at least from time to time questioning, doubting your love, tormented by the enemy over whether or not you love them. And I pray today, God, I pray today a trust and a confidence that would come you are that God you are and I will love. be content love isn't what you do God you are you Lord we love we try to love but we aren't love so God you you are you are love But more than just what you do, I will be content. It's who you are. Every circumstance. That's your nature. That's your essence. That's your character. You are. That's what defines you, God. I'm already loved. In the name of Jesus. I'm already chosen. I know who I am. If I'm healthy, you love me. If I got I'm sickness in my loved. body, you love me more than I can imagine. Yeah, it is if enough. my savings account is full, you yeah, love it me. Enough. I don't have any money in the bank. I'm already loved. You love me. I'm already chosen. You are. I know who you I am. Love. You are love. I know who you spoken. It's who you are, God. I'm already Nothing can separate me from you. There's no one. There's no thing that can separate me from you but me. God, I'm going to lay aside my fear today. I'm going to lay aside my worry today. I'm not going to allow me to separate me from you. I'm the only thing that can truly separate me from you, God, that today remove every wall, I remove every barrier, every obstacle God my mistakes can't separate me from you my failures can't separate me from you my bad choices can't separate me from you nothing can separate me from your love nothing can separate me from your love Jesus Every night, I receive your love today. Not just, not an emotion, God. If there's an emotional feeling, great. But let this be deeper today than just an emotional response. Let this be deeper today than just an emotional response. Let it be a change of mind today. Let it be a proper aligning of our perspective, our thoughts towards you, towards life. Already chosen in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. 
in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Already loved more than I could imagine. In the name of Jesus. Thank you today for who you are. We thank you for what you do, God. We're appreciative for what you do, but more than that, today we we thank you for who you are. We thank you for who you are. You are. You are love. You are love. In the name of Jesus, I pray today, Father, that the voice of the enemy would be silenced. That voice of accusation against us that causes us to question and doubt your love. There be faith and confidence today that if your word is true, If your word is true, then we dwell, we live in love because you are love. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Lord, help us to learn how to see everything through the filter of love when things go wrong let us be reminded that you withhold no good thing when we don't get the answers we're looking for help us to remember we dwell in your love and therefore if we're not getting what we think we need or want then you're choosing in your love to withhold because what we think is good may not be good. In the name of Jesus. 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 Lord, you know our weaknesses today. You know the weakness of our flesh. You know the thoughts that we battle. Strengthen, empower us today to trust and believe, to live in your love. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Whenever you need to go, you're welcome to. Thank you for being here today. There are some folks that are still praying that God is still ministering to if you'd be mindful of of that 
In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.